0: Oh, that was not great. (laughs) The Pazooz has been poured. The candle is lit. I am your co-host, Endemic. Welcome to the Horror Salon. I did that totally backwards. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, I'm
1: your co-host, The
0: Witch. Yeah, there we are. Welcome. Welcome. Um, We are super excited tonight. Um, Maybe that's why I just fucked up in the first three seconds. It's fine. Um, (laughs) We have... uh, First of all, the topic tonight is... Is amazing but first we have a totally awesome special guest with us you may recognize her from our fairy tale episode uh the great the talented the fellow horror salon club member katrina kittle welcome
2: Yay! thank you i am so excited to be back this is one of my favorite favorite things to talk about
0: oh we're so excited to have you and what is that thing what are we going to talk about tonight katrina
2: the apocalypse yeah
0: reads from the apocalypse so in honor of that uh theme you have created the Pazoos for this evening yes uh i'm super impressed by this do tell us what it is
2: all right so this is what i'm calling an apocalini (laughs) um yes it's kind of a bellini which is a bellini is always peach and prosecco but this is a mango bellini Mm -hmm. um because i like that better and it's got a little grenadine syrup running through it which gives it like kind of bloody streaks Mm -hmm. and you put a little raspberry on it it looks like a little brain Mm -hmm. um and so instead of a bellini it's an Apocalini. and i was playing around with i thought maybe you could even call it a bloody sunrise you know just because everything in the apocalypse is likely to be bloody and it's very fruity so it's all about fresh fruit the kind of things that we'd be missing if we were actually in an apocalyptic world so, celebrating the fresh and the fruit that we will miss.
0: I love that. That just made me wonder, is scurvy going to be rampant? Probably.
1: In the apocalypse. Probably. If you stay she in the don't Ohio. even think of that. Stock up on your lime juice, everybody.
2: There you go.
1: All right, shall we taste? Yes, we shall. Yeah.
0: Cling, cling, cling. Clink. Ooh. That's delish. That is so good. There's no saddle in there at
1: all. No saddle whatsoever. No saddle.
0: <laughs> it's saddle free.
1: Saddle free. It's. I am surprised at how mango-y it is. Yeah.
0: Um. It's the Trader Joe's version yeah. okay. of the... They make a bottled
2: version just called Seco Mango, I think. Yeah. Um, Mango C. Yeah, it's delish. And they have peach ones and I think some other fruits as well.
1: Yeah, it's super good. I have to um, reveal a secret, Katrina. We did not have grenadine, so um, we poured extra liquor into it. We have a pome yeah. liqueur, <laughs> pomegranate. Nice. And
2: How does that taste?
1: Pretty good. Delish. Yeah? Okay.
2: Yeah,
0: it's really good. Yeah.
2: You just want the red streaks. That's all that matters. That's what we thought. And and we got, Yeah,
0: it was red for
1: uh, like four seconds and then... It turns beautiful color. Yeah. Golden, amber... Color,
0: but you're right about the raspberries. They do look like little brains,
1: little brains floating in there.
0: You do the and
2: heck- then what's lovely? It kind of harkens back to my college days. At the end, those will be all. They will have soaked up all the alcohol, and when you Ooh. eat them, it's like you know the whole. What were those called? Harry Buffalo parties, where you throw all the fruit in the oh, trash can. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's what we call so- it, Harry it- Buffalo. What'd you call it? A house party. <laughs> <laughs> it was very common for me. <laughs> But people call it different things. But I don't know. I don't know. I just remember
2: we had pineapple in it once and the alcohol was so strong that the pineapple disappeared. (laughs) Oh, my (laughs) gosh. (laughs) The apples, pears, oranges, those were all still existent. But the pineapple was just dissolved.
1: (laughs) My God. I remember we did a lot of uh, Skittles in vodka. What? That was our thing. We did I've Skittles in
0: Zima and Jolly Ranchers in Zima. I think Zima was before you were oh, born, which I loved. Zima. <laughs> they brought it back though because Zima
1: was real popular a couple summers ago. I'm surprised oh, okay. it's not back now, it. considering the 90s fashion that's back. Oh, don't get yeah. me started. That's a whole thing. Whole thing that makes me very mad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm
0: glad
2: you like it. That makes me happy. Yeah, yeah. that's
0: really good. And I can foresee us at the next salon. Yes. Now that I think we're all fully vaccinated, yay! yay. Um, where I can drink a bunch of those and end up out in the yard. Perfect. Burn, burn yeah, a,
1: burn a precious moments, if you will. I will burn a precious yes. moment.
2: Yeah. There we go. Done and we done.
0: Okay, so I mean, let's talk because we have so much. Th- this mm-hmm. is this is our topic, and yes. Katrina's here because this is her topic. Yes, um, I love anything apocalypse, zombies, plagues, extinction level events, movies, yep. literature, cartoons, scenarios imagined and discussed ad nauseum. Driving through a small town and judging every house as zombie proof or not zombie proof, and why? That is a fun activity. my oh, got I do
1: that? Yeah, <laughs> I, do that.
0: <laughs> I do that all the time. And here's the thing. You always know when you're about to get a good crop of end of days uh, mm. pop culture things mm-hmm. when the world seems to be going through hellish nightmares like, you know, government <laughs> and corporate oppression, your mass poverty, your big brother, conspiracy, civil unrest. Yep. Um, the pop culture themes, they tend to follow suit allegories, I suppose, if you will. Um yep. Perhaps showing us our future uh, if we don't get our shit together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. hmm um, I suppose it's a way to purge our fears. Um, escapism. I like to go into them imagining what the hell I would do. Yeah. But anyway, so let's talk. Do you, do you, you teach a course on this? Yes.
2: I do. Well, yeah. it's actually, it's a composition course is what okay. I teach. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but so I, I teach at the university of Dayton and I'm, I'm a lecturer there in creative writing, but almost everyone in the department, um, every semester teaches at least one composition course just kind mm-hmm. of spread that load around and the english 100 and 200 are themed um so that it's up to the instructor to come up with a theme that will sort of group your here's the required writings that we need to cover and teach but you can group the readings and the assignments around a theme and so when i first went this was my third year that we just finished so i've had one and a half year that was normal one and a half year in pandemic mm-hmm. When I first started, I was like, you know, what kind of themes do people use? And they're really creative. Like somebody was doing monsters, both fictional and real life. Somebody was doing borders, internal and external. Um, And so when I heard those kind of really creative ideas, I was like, oh, someone did a whole course on the Avengers. I was like, (laughs) you know what? I'm doing the apocalypse. And um, it's worked out really well. And um, depending on the level, and last fall, I had an honors course that was all apocalypse. So the the readings are amazing, the stuff we watch. And one of the things, you know, because especially the first and second year students, you know, they're, it's all about, you know, them finding their, who they're supposed to be. Who are mm-hmm. they, right? Yeah. How much of early college years are, who are we? And I think it's a perfect, it's a perfect vehicle for that. Because in these stories, people have to make these life or death decisions, Um they, right away, they decide, they figure out, do I have a moral compass or did I just throw that in a ditch when the zombies (laughs) came, you know? And, um, the stuff in our own lives are the, the moral, the ethical decisions we have to make are so much smaller and you watch those movies and it's so clear and so black and white. And you're like, what would I do? And it's kind of like really good practice for like actually asking yourself, what would you do? What are you doing right now? like how would how would you confront that and no you knowing that you probably never will have to face something that extreme you know where your choice might literally save what's left of humanity but um but just it's just really it it just opens the door for so many great conversations and the kids really get into it
1: that's great that's super awesome uh one thing that you just said struck a chord with me <laughs> Because uh, I was re- I was trying to prepare for this article because I I'm into apocalyptic fiction but I don't think maybe nearly as much as Katrina and Endemic are so <laughs> I was like I got to prepare for this uh, and one of the articles that I read talked about and it was from it interviewed a bunch of different authors and of apocalyptic fiction. And it was asking them, you know, why do you do this? Why why is this your genre, your style of writing? And I really connected with the one author who said it makes the reader confront who they are. Because we yes. all like to think we're the hero, but some of us aren't. And this makes you realize that. Damn. Absolutely. Yeah. And I Absolutely. was like, wow. Yeah. You want to say, yeah, I'd be the one who jumped out and put my hands up and (laughs) saved all of those people before the, you know, but maybe you weren't, maybe you weren't that person. Maybe you're the person standing on the sideline.
2: And isn't it funny how, when, when I watch those movies, I kind of know the answer. And sometimes the answer is disappointing and sometimes it's like invigorating, but like we kind of know already when you watch those scenarios like, oh, I would not be the hero in that situation at all. <laughs> like, um, or that I would be. Like, I could do that. And I think that's one of the things that's most appealing about um, apocalyptic lit and film. Everybody wants to be the hero, right? We would all, all yeah. love to change the world. But in our real lives, that's really slow and unsexy. And, you know, like, how do you change the world? You recycle. You get your vaccine. You know what I mean? It's like not like, like I just said, like we're not literally saving what's left of the human race or the planet or something like that. And so it's just, it's so appealing to be like, I want to be a better person, but like, oh, in that circumstance, I would have to be, or I'd be dead.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because Lord knows I would find the single most solitary whole... In a heavily forested area. You're going to be
0: naked in a hole in a forest anyway. <laughs> so
1: you'll true. just miss the whole thing. <laughs> I wouldn't fine. even know. I'd emerge and be like, what's going on, guys?
2: What's as happened? long as bad people didn't come marauding through there, you'd that's be true. fine.
0: That's yeah. true. Yeah. Okay. So talk to us. Let's let's talk a little bit about um, the different genres. Because when you brought that yeah. up as a topic, I, I thought, oh, shit, that's right. They are different. Mm. Harkening uh, back to my um, composition, English lit kind of days. Yeah. Um, so, okay, we've got dystopian, mm-hmm. we've got apocalyptic, and then we've got post-apocalyptic. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I did learn that d- the dystopian um, genre dates back to Tudor England. Ooh. I don't know any more than that. I just read that uh, sentence. Wow. <laughs>
2: yeah. And it's going kind to of an answer to the utopia stories.
0: Right. Yeah. All right, so so uh professor, tell us. <laughs> talk to us about let's go dystopian first.
2: Okay. Okay. And so this is one we d- we cover it, we talk about it in the class, but then we don't really use it because we we focus on the apocalypse. But so dystopian they're all related though, and they're all yeah. scary. That's yes. what we're about here at the Horus Lawn, the scary Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. Yes. And I'll get to what scares me about these things, I promise. But yeah, so it's um dystopian, a lot of people in publishing will also call dystopian as speculative, you know, it's, Mm, um, so it, so it's, it's some kind of imagined community or society, and that's what makes it different from the apocalyptic. And then this society or, or government or culture is really dehumanizing. It's really frightening. It's bad with capital B. Mm -hmm. So things like, um, my very favorite example of this is Margaret Atwood's The Handmaid's Tale. Mm, Yes. Mm -hmm. Or the Hunger Games is a really popular, recent um, thing like that. Um, But the the difference there is that there is a community. There is a government. There is still civilization in place. Okay. It's just a really bad civilization. And it's not the civilization that we recognize anymore. Like a
0: severe code of conduct has been put in place. Yes. On everybody, yes?
2: Yeah, everybody. And then, so apocalyptic and post-apocalyptic are when all those trappings of civilization are gone. There may be still in post-apocalyptic, there may still be like tribes, individual tribes trying to put together a society, but there's no overarching government or civilization that has one code and one, any kind of law enforcement or anything like Mm -hmm. that anymore. So they're just these individual bands. And then if in, if in the course of the story, that civilization ending event occurs, then that's apocalyptic. And those are rare, but I love those. Endemic and, and I have talked about in the past. We mm-hmm. love the stories that show you it's starting
0: yes. to fall
2: apart. Um, but most of the stories that people know are the post apocalyptic, where the event has already happened yeah. and you're watching people deal with the world as it is now. <clears throat> but there is no real society or rule of law or anything like that. Um, and so, like, apocalyptic would be things like um, a lot of the natural disaster movies.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, One of my uh, all-time favorites is On the Beach by Neville Shute uh, from 1957. This is both apocalyptic and a little bit post-apocalyptic. And a lot of them are. Yeah, uh, but it's set in South Australia and a nuclear, all-out nuclear war has happened and basically the people in southern australia are waiting for the toxic cloud to get to them oh jeez so yeah. it's just uh they kind of they kind of become a little bit party central where hey you know um we're just waiting for this thing to happen um but it's, it, it they're going to die it's inevitable they're going to have a slow death from toxic cloud and it's just coming and that book and movie are yeah. so and and this is where uh katrina and i will um we'll spar back and forth a little bit this movie to me has zero hope mm-hmm. because it's done it is done humanity yeah. is done you're just waiting for you're the just end. waiting for the end um and i like that i like the all is done <laughs> she's yeah, laughing okay.
2: <laughs> i am laughing it's but it's very rare even though we the apocalypse is supposed to be the end of the world, mm-hmm. right. It rarely ever is. There's always yeah. survivors, you know, that almost always in these stories, there's some survivor. And so that's a real exception to that. And it's actually realistic if that were to happen. And that one of the things I remember yeah. about that story, that's so, you know, they, they know they're the last ones. They, mm-hmm. they, they've watched, they can watch the globe and, and country by country, continent by continent, the, um, The intel, you know, the information, communication. Yeah, it all goes dark. And they're the last ones as this drifts down the globe, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So they know they're it. They know there's no hope. How
1: Um, terrifying.
0: (laughs) But. Yeah. But I, I pose to you that that is not once, you know, once the shock of it happens, I feel like it would be one of the most freeing feelings ever. You're going to be dead in a week. No more bills, no more this, no more that, no more drama. Just live this last week
1: to the the fullest. uh, uh, Yeah, to the fullest. I can see that. But you know why I think it's terrifying? Because does anyone remember that Greek? I think it's a Greek story about a man who is dying and he starts dying at his toes. And he can feel death (laughs) creeping up his legs. Like parts of his body are dying as he's conscious. I oh, wow. That sounds familiar but not. not. And that just reminded me of that and I'm like this is awful. <laughs> <laughs> that is too much for me. I wonder if
0: it says, you know, something about my outlook on life, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that's it's interesting because one of the
2: um one of the things that we talk about in the class is that a lot of these stories really are about hope. Like the yeah. this idea of um a clean like not so much the dystopian but the the post apocalyptic especially there's this clean slate right we've we totally fucked it all up but maybe we could do it again we'll rebuild and we'll be better there's always this idea that that could happen but we're really really skeptical because as they attempt it, it's just going to be as bad as it was before, right? Well, and if
0: anybody's ever read James Thurber's The Last Flower, they know what's coming. (laughs) So,
2: (laughs) But but their hope of like, they want to survive for various reasons, like this idea that humans are really resilient, and we will find a way, you know, um, that they can't, maybe most of us are gone, but there's always going to be these survivors who want to hang on for the right reasons. And then there's plenty of it also brings out, like, there's people who keep their humanity in these times of catastrophe and people mm-hmm. who don't. Yeah. Um, and that's always interesting to see who turns which direction.
0: Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's, it's so like, hard to, to think that the people who do maintain their humanity in, in that kind of just all-out lawless situation would ever be able to to um, survive. Because right. the others will have the yeah. guns. They'll have the the unscrupulous um, tactics. I mean, whatever. So I don't know how good can survive evil. I guess it does now, but
2: it's I, a con- it's constant battle. It's never it like is. okay, we yeah. want right. It's like being on a teeter totter. You mm-hmm. have to constantly be shifting and adjusting to keep it from crashing.
1: So here's a question for you that was kind of just brought up. I think in that past uh, conversation is is apocalyptic fiction so appealing because apocalyptic and post-apocalyptic i should say so appealing because it's wiping the slate clean of all of the atrocity of our current world or or is it the chance to rebuild because i feel like there's a subtle difference there right it's like the tearing down And then the building up.
0: Well, do you think maybe, I mean, that would depend on who's looking at it. Take somebody who's super wealthy and living what they think is their best life. And they have everything at their fingertips. The thought of society breaking down probably scares the shit out of them. Whereas somebody who is poor and struggling just to to survive for for them and their family, maybe Mm
1: -hmm.
0: they would see that as a chance to maybe rise, rise in stature, I guess, Put everybody on the same playing field and yeah maybe they'd have a yeah. better chance yeah
2: yeah real quick so so one of my favorite and endemic knows this and i think the witch does too you know my one my, my very 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 favorite world of the post-apocalypse is the walking dead and um yes, ma'am so there's characters in it like the, daryl dixon who his he's one of those characters whose life actually improved in the apocalypse um yeah you know he, he belonged he didn't realize it at the time but you know he had he was surrounded by vile people before the world fell apart. And when the world did fall apart, he actually, he now belongs to a, a real, a family, not a blood family, but a family that values him where he can be of value, you know, yeah. he becomes a leader. I mean, it levels the playing field in a way that I think the uber wealthy, it does terrify them.
0: Yeah, Right, yeah.
2: but for everyone else. But in most of the stories, what's sad is Things like class and race and sexism still exist, Happened. even after. Yeah, and it's like you know, it never becomes. There's rarely the story where it becomes this utopia. I don't know. It's a, we we so want to wipe the slate clean, but I don't know if we'd ever actually do any better.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't think human nature will. allow Yeah, it to I was gonna say, either. what does that say about humanity? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and
2: that's what this is a difference between endemic and I, and I know it, but um, that's why like. For me, like in The Walking Dead, you know, you joked in the episode when Jay was the um, uh, Jay Siegel was the guest. You guys were talking about The Walking <laughs> Dead and talked about, oh, it's now it's a soap opera. Bring on the zombies! I want the zombies. <laughs> and like for me, in all of these apocalyptic stories, the whatever the the problem is that caused it, whether it's a nuclear war or it's aliens or it's zombies or whatever, a pandemic, those are never as terrifying to me as the people.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: When it comes to horror, I think humanity is the biggest, scariest thing there is, and um, so that's I'm like sometimes the the zombies almost become, and they never call them zombies, but the walkers become like this background nuisance. Mm-hmm. Um, and what the real fear is and the real danger is always the other human beings, the people still alive.
0: Yeah, what's the the tagline is? Uh, fight the dead, fear the living. Yep. Um yep. And, and I totally I totally get that. But I and I think for me, it's just that I like to use it as, you know, as an escape. So yeah. I'm confronted with humanity every single damn day, but I never get to meet a freaking zombie. <laughs> so I wanna see humanity take their lumps from these walking dead, you know. I or whatever yeah. whatever, whatever the thing is. is. Yeah. yeah. I want, and maybe it's, I want them to be punished a little bit.
1: <laughs> well, me
2: too. And that's, so you guys frequently share stories about what got you started on this. Mm-hmm. And so I know, specifically for me with the, the, these kind of stories, it was the original Planet of the Apes. Oh, yes. And um, they, I remember the first one watching, I was really young. Watching with my parents. It was a TV special. And then, you know, they had more and more of them would come out. And And as I grew older, you know, I'd have like slumber parties on the night. There was a new one. I had like Planet of the Apes lunchbox and everything. And so two things happened with that. Right away, I there was this this appeal, even as a really little kid, that like watching that show, I, I love animals. Animals are my thing, big time. And so there was that love of, of animals and then also recognizing watching that show that we the people deserve this we absolutely deserve this this is, we got yeah. what was coming to us in the planet of the apes and that was a, just a really interesting thing to wrap my little child mind around like <laughs> yeah. mean, that's one of the things i love in almost all of these stories whether it's aliens whether it's the, especially like the climate disasters like we deserve this we treat the planet with such disrespect um we treat each other with such disrespect you know what i mean like uh, it's it's inevitable Not inevitable, but it's not surprising at all that we would make such a mess of things that we destroy it all. That civilization falls.
1: Nope, you're right. And the idea that animals
2: might rule
0: the world was very exciting to me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Very appealing to me. Very appealing. So
0: I want to, I want to just go back to the dystopian conversation just a little bit. And do you have some favorite dystopian literature, movies, books? Books and literature are the same thing, but you know what I mean.
2: Yeah, Well, like, like <laughs> yeah. I know I mentioned *The Handmaid's Tale*, and yes. I—that's the one. That's the one that I adore. And so, like, I don't teach those. I just I focus on the apocalyptic stuff. But I just think that yeah. is so. When that came out in the late eighties, I think like It did, yeah. It was
0: uh, nineteen
2: eighty-five. Holy moly! Okay, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. And it is so timely. And just think, like so, that came out in eighty five, and only a couple of years ago did the Hulu series come out. So, yay, Margaret Atwood, good for her. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she's still working on that show. But um, especially before this past election, it was hard to watch. It's it's so well done, the series, but it's really hard to watch because it felt so possible mm-hmm. um, during the last four years, especially.
0: Oh my god. Um, yep.
2: You know, Gilead is kind of a world that. I think Pence would love to see, you know, <laughs> exist. Mm-hmm. And um there is so, you know, I would be, I couldn't watch it before bed. I would be so angry, but I can't stop watching it. I love it. I love it. It's beautifully done. I think it's very important. It makes, talk about making you very uncomfortable confronting very. um truths because it's not that, I remember when I read it, when it first came out, I 85 is when I graduated from high school. I'm older <laughs> than you guys. Um, I loved it, and I thought it was so like it did feel totally like this speculative piece. And then when I reread it recently, when the Hulu series came out, I'm like, oh, this doesn't read it all the same. It felt so much more possible, mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah, th- because our society has somewhat changed. And then I was also a little older and wiser and saw some things differently. But it um, and that's this dystopia can feel can be hard that way where it's it's very uncomfortable because you usually it's being written to confront very real dangers. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And then I also already mentioned The Hunger Games, but um, that was one where I I think I resisted the the first book in this trilogy for a long time just because it was so popular I thought it couldn't be good. Yeah. (laughs) But sometimes, Mm -hmm. and that was me being a snob. I was totally wrong um, because sometimes things are incredibly popular and they deserve to be. Yeah. And um, that was, I love that she's such a strong female protagonist and that this yes there's sort of a love triangle but if that love triangle didn't exist you still have this really badass yeah. story it's not her her concern is not to get a boyfriend her concern is to save her family right. and um yeah you know so she's she's yeah. not like this ditzy little heroine
0: no i love katniss everdeen i love
1: yeah i love the hunger games for sure
0: um i i did look up um uh Susan suzanne suzanne collins um and she said that her inspiration for the hunger games came from channel surfing on tv she said on one channel she would see a reality show and on another channel she would see the invasion of iraq and she said these two concepts began to uh kind of blur together in a really unsettling way for her and it's what um it's how the ideas for the book really interesting yeah
1: really interesting
0: yeah and i thought i'm like wow that's yeah
1: because honestly, before you said that, I mean, I've read the books, I've seen the movies. Yes, the the kind of live streaming of it is part of it, but I mm-hmm. never perceived it as a reality show until you just said that. Mm-hmm. And that's what it that's is. That's what it is. Wow. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And then, you know, she makes, you know, they, the, the literal Hunger Games are, everyone is forced to watch them. They have yeah. to watch them. Yeah. They're broadcast, you know.
1: Yeah. See, so I, would that mean then, because when I, The Hunger Games has always reminded me of Shirley Jackson's The Lottery. Oh my yeah. God, yes. So The Lottery would then be, would that be an example of a dystopian style? Oh okay, yeah. yeah, Yeah.
2: it's just a short story, yeah. A short
1: story but, version um, of, yeah.
2: Yeah, because that's their society, that's how they functioned was with that lottery.
1: Yeah. yeah. That's a good one. And that is yeah, a horrifying yeah. oh story. God,
2: it, that is a horrifying story, I love it yes. so much.
1: Yeah. People
2: scare me. People are scarier than anything else. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> Absolutely.
2: I'll take my chances with a zombie, a vampire, a ghost anytime over evil people.
1: Werewolf. You know, you
2: can't take a zombie attack personally. No. They're just doing it would be like being attacked by a lion. It's just what they do. You know, but when a person attacks you, then it's a whole different thing.
1: Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. There's an and
2: emotion. You know, and damn it, you know I love the zombies. You know I do. I
0: know. Oh. I know. Um, <laughs> I, just, I just jotted down a couple others that, um, that I've read throughout time and uh, that I really love. In that dystopian um, category, uh, Brave New World by Aldous Huxley.
2: Oh, yeah. That uh-huh. is
0: a great one. And that one, that one was written in 1931. Uh, yeah. And it really, it really... Uh, it's this technologically advanced planet where uh, everybody kind of looks the same and everybody's being manipulated by these world controllers. And they've perfected things like arts and science and and sleep learning, genetic engineering, all of that kind of stuff. So much of that anxiety that drives this book uh, can be traced back to the widespread belief in technology as a futuristic remedy for problems. Caused by disease and war, but Huxley felt that that reliance was naive. So that's what he's exploring here. Um, and he wanted to really challenge these ideas. So that's, that's why he wrote, why he wrote the book. Um, but I love that. I mean, 1984, Uh, George Orwell, that's great. Um, that's a good one. And he, his main goal was to warn, um, warn people, uh of the serious danger that totalitarianism poses on a society or to a society i mean geez we 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 skirted that here in the last couple couple of years yeah and it's not over
2: you know it's not over you know,
0: um. yeah he said that there was a part of what inspired 1984 was uh, a meeting of the allied leaders at the Tehran conference in 1944. He was convinced Orwell was convinced that Stalin, Churchill and Roosevelt consciously plotted to divide the world at Tehran. He was convinced of it. Wow. Um, so that was kind of, kind of where that, where that story was born. Anyway, I always think it's neat to know what's going on at the time. That these books are written absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, what else y'all like? Well,
1: well, for okay, dysto- okay. well, for dystopian, I'm just now realizing it, but my favorite author of all time is Kazuo Ishiguro, um, and he Ooh. writes. He has written at least two that I know of dystopian novels that are phenomenal. Never let me go. Mm and i the his most recent which i'm reading now clara and the sun um yeah. and i hear it
2: amazing
1: unbelievable i i anything he writes i eat it up because i just i his style of writing is my yeah. favorite um but I didn't really peg him as a dystopian writer until we're talking about dystopian fiction right now. And I'm like, oh, yeah, those yeah. are like two of my favorite books. And hmm. that's what that is. Um, Never Let Me Go. I'm not through Clara and, the, Clara and the Sun, but it's definitely set in a world where kind of these AI sort of beings that oversee children Um are in place and it follows one of these ai beings clara and is told from her perspective of the world so everything is very robotic Mm -hmm. and she's trying to figure it out and she's very innocent and you kind of see humanity in a different way because of how they treat this very innocent robotic thing Mm Uh, who learns very quickly um, so it's always very interesting that's what I love about him he usually tells the story from a different point of view and then Never Let Me Go is told through this very it's almost like they, they've created people for uh, clones of people essentially I don't know if I haven't read it in a long time so I don't know if that's the exact Language he uses, but it's essentially clones of people. They're treating the clones very badly. Uh, so I don't want to give too much away, but um, okay. but it, it's told from the clones' point of view. So yeah. I think those are my two favorite. Cool. Interesting. Cool. Read him. Okay. Read a yeah. I've <laughs>
2: heard so many people talking about Claire and the Sun. It sounds amazing. I cannot wait to read it.
1: It's so good. I
2: think a title that would is kind of it it. Straddles dystopian and post-apocalyptic. That could lead us into talking about those is Snowpiercer, <laughs> and and, yeah. and Muir, where it's it's a it's post-apocalyptic because all of humanity is trapped on this train because of a climate crisis. Right, mm-hmm. the world yes. has frozen, so the only people left alive are on this train. So it's apocalyptic in that sense, but it's also very much dystopian because there is very much this is it this is all there is of humanity and so there is a government there is law enforcement there are these rules that are incredibly unfair and unbalanced and it's yeah. such a um, parallel to our current world in the class system and mm-hmm. um, yes even all kinds of parallels to black lives matter mm-hmm. um, to the class war the class divide that's just and the wealth gap that just keeps mm-hmm. growing and growing and growing in this country but that's one that is so because i love the climate ones really scare me
1: <laughs> oh yeah <laughs>
2: cuz you know are yeah. you know, just hurtling toward that but um this is it they're all just on this train that never stops moving and just yeah. keeps circling the globe
0: well and how and they then, keep the train running is
2: right is wow. kind of that's what makes it horror <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and, and, and then, if you've you seen know,
1: the movie version of snowpiercer tilda swinton man god Give that woman every award. Every she's single amazing. award.
2: I saw an interview with her where she said she felt that Minister Mason was such an ugly person on the inside that she wanted to reflect that on the outside. <laughs> like, I think Tilda Swinton is a beautiful woman. Oh, yeah. She <laughs> is just vile. Yes. <laughs>
0: absolutely. Yes. Yeah. this movie. Yeah. She's,
2: she's so gross. <laughs> Apparently, she even... Wanted to have these huge fake pendulous breasts. <laughs> with the director I was like, that's too much. But she just wanted her to be like this ogre of a woman.
1: I, um, uh, fun fact about Tilda Swinton, totally off topic, but she once <laughs> directed a short film of her. I believe she has. Oh, I don't want to say the breed of dog because I'll probably get it wrong and then I'll get chastised for it. But her dog's running around to this v- very operatic music, and she directed a, fil- a short film. About- <laughs> I love her. <laughs> this is the best thing her. that has ever existed. Uh, a
0: horror movie she's in that is amazing uh, Only Lovers Left Alive, about two vampires. Oh. I think the other one, oh gosh, what's his name? He plays Loki.
2: Tom Hiddleston, Tom. Yes. I believe it's Tom
0: Hiddleston uh, oh, is and it's the two of them. People. And they're just fucking bored. They've been alive for centuries and they're just bored. bored.
1: She makes <laughs> a great vampire because I'm currently watching what we do in the shadows. I love that movie so much. Well, I watching the TV. Have you seen the TV series? No, I didn't even know there was one. There's Ooh. a TV series on yep. Hulu and she appears as one of the vampire like, Oh my God. It's so funny. That's awesome. She's the perfect I love vampire. I yeah. love her
2: so much. Yes. Oh my goodness.
0: <laughs> so what? What other? Um, what other books in in these genres do we love?
2: Yeah, and I think with apocalypse and post apocalypse, you can kind of clump them together. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to books, there's a couple I would love to mention. If you want, I know,
0: I know which I know which one of them is or what one of them is. <laughs> Station Thirteen is definitely one of them.
2: Station 11. Station
0: 11, we'll see. Station something with, <laughs> Station with Station hope and kumbaya. Go for it. Yes.
2: So Station <laughs> 11 <laughs> by Emily St. John Mendel is one of the best apocalypse stories I've ever, ever read. I get so, and so my honors class read this. Um, and it, when I, one of the things, it's very post-apocalypse. It's years after the event, which was a virus called the Georgia flu that um, killed, I think, 85% of humanity on the entire globe. And that happened in what they all call year zero now. And it centers around this traveling symphony, these this group of actors and musicians who travel around from encampment to encampment performing the plays of Shakespeare. Wow. And they, and they do this because one one of the, there's many different point of view characters and at first they, they don't even seem to be connected. And then at the end, it's one of those amazing things where all of these lives from across what was our country, but it's also Europe, um, Come together. This one character, um, she remembers Star Trek, and one of her favorite lines from Star Trek was, "Because survival is insufficient." And so they, when they travel, they they take the shells of cars. They've taken out the motors and stuff because they're they've run. They can't find gas anymore. For a while they could, but it's all gone. And um, so they use the shells of cars to haul their stuff. But horses pull these shells. Um, And she's painted that line on the side of one of the cars because survival is insufficient and they go from encampment to encampment. And of course there's crazy people, there's religious zealotry, there's all the um, sexism, all the things we thought would be gone if civilization started over, but they're back. But when there's, they end up, and this is not a spoiler because the, the, the story is told from, it flips back and forth in time, but they, they, many of these characters end up in a settlement in an airport where they were not allowed to take off in year zero and so they've just stayed. And think about an airport, right? All the different terminals belong. Oh, that's where that family lives. This family lives in Cinnabon. This family, <laughs> lives, you know.
0: Yeah. And um, yeah.
2: the one guy has become a curator for the Museum of Civilization, where he keeps artifacts like iPhones and laptops and, um, you know, your, the Apple Watches and stuff like that. But, um, and there's this one plane that came in in year zero that landed safely, but no one ever got off the plane. And they all know that meant that everyone inside it was infected. And so this plane has sat there for like a decade and no one's ever opened the doors, even though they know there's probably supplies inside, they're afraid to open it. And so the plane just sits on the runway like a monument to all these lost souls. It is such a good book. And it's a terrible title because the title made me not read it because it sounded like maybe it was science fiction. I don't know why station made me think of like space Mm. station. Yeah, sure. It's a weird title, but that Station Eleven is a graphic novel, that one of the characters is writing in the story. So that's where that title comes from. But, and I hear they're making a movie of it, and I cannot wait to see it because I think it would be very cinematic.
0: That would be awesome. Uh, That'd be I'll so watch fun. a movie of anything. So.
2: Yeah, we'll, we'll, well, someday, and when, when it comes out as a movie, we will make it. We'll
1: um, salon on uh, it. We know. Right. We know you'll watch a movie about anything. Shut your mouth.
2: <laughs> Shut your mouth. Can I can I can I blab about another book that I of love? Of course. Yeah. Okay, so look, I'm even showing it to them. I know <sighs> the people listening the podcast can't see it. So Hollow Kingdom by Kira, Kira Jane Buxton is probably my favorite book of the past five years, at least, if not more. I love this book so much. So this isn't a post-apocalypse story. What's well, kind of apocalyptic because it's happening as, but it's not. It's narrated by a domestic crow. So just it. wrap your brain around that. And you know I love animals, right? If I love Planet of the Apes, I'm going to love this. Where the humans are dying out, they become these zombie-like creatures and die. Um, and they're really – the 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 humans you – know, I, I, I don't want to get too far into it. But he's he's a domestic crow. His owner's name was Big Jim. He was kind of a redneck. Big Jim called other people – always called them mofos. So this is what this crow has learned to refer to people. But the other people – the other animals have always called – humans the hollows so this is called hollow kingdom and so jim big jim named this crow shit turd and he calls him <laughs> st fucking so goes, big
1: jim jesus I know.
2: <laughs> um well in the very first page this is not a spoiler the very first page big jim's eye falls out and which is how <laughs> shit turd knows mm, something's wrong this <laughs> <laughs> might not and be so okay it's, so it's very it seems like it's very funny but it's it becomes about so much. It's become it's about climate change. It's about religion. It's about you know the environment. It's it's so good. But it's but this crow has to navigate. He's not really a wild animal, but he, he, the people who domesticated him don't exist anymore. So he and he's kind of he becomes kind of the 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 helper of all the other domestic animals who don't know their place in this new kingdom without the hollows. Um, but just so you get that, like I have tiny little snippets to read. Um, they're really short I swear but like this is how it opens this is the very opening um, so you see look, how she captures this point of view of a crow like look at all the, the way the, the crow sees the world I should have known something was dangerously wrong long before I did how do you miss something so critical there were signs signs that were slow as sap that amber lava that swallows up a disease kissed evergreen slow as a rattlesnake as it bleeds towards you painting the grass with belly scales but sometimes you only see the signs once you're on the highest branch of realization. I love that <laughs> that image of the highest branch. Like, yeah. he's a crow. Um, but when he he, deli- he leaves their house because he knows that Big Jim needs medicine. So he goes and he knows how to open, like, sliding doors at, at like, CVS and stuff. So, you know, crows are very intelligent. Mm-hmm. So he um, – but he he goes out to try to get him some medicine. But, of course, he doesn't know what to get him. He just grabs a bunch of stuff that includes, like – you know, preparation age and things. he doesn't know <laughs> um, and puts it in a bag that he can carry. But when he comes across like all this carnage out in the street and so he comes, he he sees a bus that's upside down and he, he says all the windows of the bus were smashed and smeared with red. If there is something to be learned from Big Jim's horror films it's that you should never insert yourself into a precarious situation, especially if you're a scantily clad blonde with breast implants or a mofo with black skin. But again, crow. So on I marched, I entered the bus and a heavy foreboding pressed down on my wings. So like he's referencing all this human stuff, but he also gets us so inside the minds of how these different animals operate and how the world starts to like flourish without us when we're gone. So again, it goes back to my thing about like, we deserve this. One last tiny paragraph when he goes inside a church. I love this passage where he says, a fake mofo in a loincloth stared down at me from a wooden wall. He had a headband made of barbs that looked fairly uncomfortable. Even though I knew he wasn't real, I gave him a nod of solidarity, wondering what crime he'd committed to deserve being stapled to plywood.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But this
2: book also made me weep. Um, Jason came in to our bedroom one night and was like, what's wrong? Because I was in there sobbing over something that happens toward the end. And there is a sequel of this book coming out called Feral Creatures, Mm -hmm. um, that should be out next summer. And um, I'm so excited.
1: Who's this by again, Katrina? Kira
2: Jane Buxton. And she is a finalist for the Thurber um, Humor Prize.
0: She is.
1: She is awesome. The book is amazing. I need to read it because I, you have talked about this book, Katrina, mm -hmm, (laughs) for years, I feel like, or ever since it's come out. So I need to, I need to get on that train. Yes, yes, you it's do. A
2: it's a fun train. Yes,
1: it's not the Snowpiercer train. No, Thank God, not that train.
2: No. The bleak train. But although I love that movie so much, so I won't read from other books. I swear. But um, I also, in the class, will use The Road by Cormac McCarthy.
1: Daddy, I know daddy,
2: has strong Daddy, words, daddy, but... daddy. <laughs> the baby, the boy is not such a baby as, in the book as he is in the movie.
0: That's true. And then, I did read um, the book.
2: The, a new one that I love moon of the crusted snow. Um, I'm not going to pronounce his name correctly. It looks like Wabgeshig rice. He's a member of the Anishabi tribe. Mm-hmm. Um, Wassoxing first nation, but it's, it's set up in, um, Canada. And there's this native group of people who know the old ways, but they've kind of, they haven't been following the old ways cause it's modern times, but when it's another virus happens, um, they and electricity shuts down internet goes away they kind of know how to survive but then all these white people start showing up wanting help and complicating mm, everything yeah it's so good so I read it after I had that class most recently moon of the crusted snow and I think I would use it again because um, it's a whole different perspective on in those circumstances it's always about what can you give what would you give to this tribe mm-hmm. what can you give to our community like You can't just like. Do you just help people because they need help, or do you? Do they have to give you something in return? Because otherwise, it becomes an anchor. Right? They're just going to weigh you down.
1: Right. Um,
2: So again, other people always the problem. (laughs) Always, always.
0: You're right. Really, Really? (laughs) get in the way of a really good zombie tale or a good apocalypse tale. Yeah. People.
2: So I don't know about some of your other favorites um, because there's so many, and it to to me it depends on like what kinds. Of the end of the world we're in, right? Yeah, So if true. there's the zombie ones, there's like, I mentioned The Walking Dead, there's Cargo, there's 28 Days Later, mm. there's World War Z. If it's a climate story, remember Old Water World? Yeah. It was badly computed, oh, yeah. but what a really good idea. What a great premise. Yeah. Um, Mad Max.
0: Oh, yeah.
2: Uh, and then there's aliens, there's the nuclear war. And then there's the biblical apocalypse, apocalypse too. And there's some stories about those. And mm-hmm. those are creepy. Those are really creepy. But talk about a clean slate. That's the whole idea. That's, yeah. it's the whole starting mm-hmm. over.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I think one of my favorites, and I don't know if this is a controversial topic or not, but <laughs> the book was amazing. Uh, Bird Box. Yeah. Why do people hate that, that so John much? By John Mallerman.
0: No, because I
2: loved it. I loved, I loved it too. Such
1: a good. Now, I will say the movie was Didn't good make- if you separate it from the book. But okay. when you compare it to the book, I feel like the movie did not hold up for okay. me. Okay. Because the okay. book was so phenomenal. Um, okay. And it I'm just gonna... gave, it, it gave you some nuance that I feel like the movie just couldn't because it was more action-y. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. But that, oh, what a what a great idea. Now, I don't know would that can be considered one of those apocalyptic and post-apocalyptic yeah. because the yes. event does occur at it the does, beginning of yeah. that story. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I love it. I love getting to see it when and the people who don't believe it and the people who are slow to realize,
0: Mm -hmm. I love
2: those moments of getting to see people figure that out.
0: There was a scene and it's just a fleeting scene in the first episode of Fear the Walking Dead, Mm -hmm. where these kids are playing basketball and in the background, a zombie is like just ambling down the road in their direction. But they're just playing basketball like, hey, the world's fine. I love that. Yeah, and remember, there was that kid at
2: school, um, because with the main female character, I forget her name. She used to drive me crazy, but oh, yeah. um, she was taught in school. She was a teacher, yeah. a yeah. counselor or something. Um, and there was a student who told her this was happening because he got caught with a knife at school, and he's like, That's I need right, it. you you guys need to be ready. Nobody believes this is happening, and it is." And he was like one of the ones who knew, um, and no That's one right. ever believes them almost all these stories start with someone not being believed and usually it's a scientist
0: (laughs) (laughs) usually it's someone that should be bubble bullied well that that mirrors real life certainly so
2: exactly exactly
0: i'm just going to give a shout out to a couple um the girl with all the gifts from 2014 uh mike carey um the book is great but i i love the movie too um And but what I want to wanted to talk about is where where he got the idea Okay, so basically it's about a decade after the zombie apocalypse and there's just a handful of uninfected people in Britain um, And the rest are dead or infected and there are uh, a second generation of what they call hungries and these are the the infected or um, You know dead, I guess I guess living dead and they're really smart these they're kids and they're really smart. They're really strong and they're really uh, capable, maybe sort of, of some empathy, uh, unless they smell a human. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, there's that. But uh, so it's just uh, this story about these these kids and then trying to break free. And um, I don't want to give it away because it is so good. But it's so good. It is so good. Um, but I wanted to know where he got the idea for this. Um, and the story was part of an anthology that Charlene Harris, who did all the True Blood, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. a books she worked on, and they would take some theme that was pretty ordinary, and um, and you would write a dark fantasy story about it, or a horror story about whatever the, the topic was, or a supernatural story. And the year he did it, the uh, the story or the theme was school days. So uh, he had to write a story set in a school. So the first uh, image that came to his mind was Melanie in a classroom writing an essay about what she wanted to do when she grew up. Only she's a zombie, but she doesn't know it. Oh, wow. Um, And we can see why she can't, uh, but she doesn't know why she can't grow up. I thought that that gave me chills.
2: Yeah, that gives me chills because I remember that scene. That's how it, it does open. And the, the ones who are the hungries have on that right. face masks, kind of like a Hannibal Lecter sort of thing. Yes. So they can't fight anyone. Yeah. Um, and they're kind of locked in rooms.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so there's these safety thing precautions put yeah. in place that they don't really understand probably.
0: Yeah. But I, I thought that was, I thought that was pretty fantastic. Yeah. Um, just, I'll just say Richard Matheson, 1954, I am legend. That's one of my all time favorites. Great. That
2: was on my list. I forgot to say it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. He, um, where he got the idea. It's a post-apocalyptic, um, about, uh, uh, a disease that sweeps the globe and basically turns everybody into kind of zombie-esque vampire things. And he said, Matheson said that it was a very simple idea. He saw Dracula and it was scary. So he thought if everybody in the world was a vampire, it would be even scarier. (laughs) So (laughs) that is true. So he wrote, (laughs) I am legend. Um, So I even had Cormac McCarthy, the road down here, because as much as the kid annoyed the shit out of me, his uh, descriptions of uh, a ruined landscape are phenomenal. Yes. And I they could are. really step into that when the kid wasn't fucking whining. Um, well, he didn't mean so much in the book. He <laughs> it did was in The movie
1: that He didn't.
0: <laughs> 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 All right. I'm just going to briefly, War of the Worlds, 1898, H.G. Mm-hmm. Wells, uh, and Max Brooks' Zombie Survival Guide, obviously, World War Z, which you mentioned. Yes. Um, the Things That Keep Us Here by Carla Buckley. That's actually a pandemic story set in Columbus, Ohio. Oh, I wow. felt like that was a love letter what? to Rays me. Down. I don't yes. know this one. The Things but That Keep Us Here by Carla Buckley. Pandemic story set in Columbus. Wow. Pretty awesome. Uh, what else? I said Hunger Games. Yes, obviously. Fahrenheit 451, Ray Bradbury from 1953 hmm uh, P. D. James, nineteen ninety-two Children of Men about infertility oh sweeping God, the globe and yes. tyranny. Yes. That is such a good one. And um, that would
2: be a really cool thing to teach in tandem with Handmaid's
0: Tale. Yeah. Yes, it would. So anyway, that's um that's just a few that I wanted to I wanted to give yeah. shout outs to. Um, yeah, yeah. Colson Whitehead, two thousand eleven Zone One.
2: Zone one. I forgot to mention that one too. Mm-hmm.
0: Brian Keene, The Rising series from 2003, his stories, and I mentioned him before on one of our earlier podcasts, but his, his books really made me realize that there are some things that the movie doesn't do, which I feel like they could at least mention in movies, but he talked a lot about the smell, uh, what the world wow. would smell like I love if that. everything was dead, and that blew me away. I'm like, holy shit, I never even thought about that. Um, but anyway, so he was, he was the first to make me really think about that. And did you guys know that Mary Shelley wrote, uh, what is supposedly considered, um, one of the first dystopian, uh, pieces of fiction published, uh, in 1826, it's called the last man. Oh, wow. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's science fiction, but it's also apocalyptic and dystopian. Um, and it, it describes a future Earth uh, in the late 21st century that is ravaged by a new pandemic of a mysterious disease that sweeps across the world um, and results in the near extinction of all humanity. Wow. Um, she also talks a little bit in there about English culture uh, being a republic, just some the House of Commons and things like that. But they say that it might not actually be dystopian because it excludes political themes of repression and totalitarianism. However, I just thought it was hmm. kind of cool that yeah, Mary Shelley cool. wrote um I mean, and in the the late twenty yeah. first century, a pandemic. I mean, yeah,
1: that's great. Anyway. um there's some of mine. Love it. I uh-huh. wrote down Bird Box. I have World War Z on my list because I think that's. It. I mean, it's so brilliant. I love that book. It's mm-hmm. so brilliantly done. Mm-hmm. I actually had a video game on my list. Oh right, yes, oh, do, do tell. Left for Dead. It <laughs> is so fun. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> that one. fun left for dead. It's a, it's a zombie a zombie based apocalypse story, but it's essentially you go in as, and you're dropped somewhere and then you have to survive to get to the rescue site. Um, and you navigate these different landscapes that are just overrun with different zombies. What I love about left for dead though, is the creative, the creativity, the creative director who created this world, had these different zombies who were different things. The tank, who's this big meaty zombie who just runs and fucks shit up. (laughs) And then you have like the the guy who, I think he's called the smoker, who leaps onto things and coughs and then has some bit of like throat drool that comes down (laughs) and grabs you. And just like these crazy concepts that are so creative and fun and they can be really scary on the game oh so scary because they come out of nowhere well i mean the resident evil series which yes. i adore oh, came yes. from a video game yes. yes so fun so fun house of the dead came from video game it did
0: um they didn't do so well with those movies but hey I mean, yeah fun games yeah
1: lots of fun oh, lots of fun apocalyptic games out i
0: there. can't wait for them to make uh dead by dawn into a movie That's the one where they have to fix the generators and the killers chase them. um, yeah, that'll be a fun movie. That'll be a
1: fun movie. Yeah, cool.
2: Yeah, but I swear, if it's got if anything is described, any kind of media is described as apocalyptic or after civilization is destroyed, I'm like, I'm in, I'm in. I hardly (laughs) have to hear any other description. I love stories about who we are when civilization's taken from us. Like what what's left if we don't have bills to pay, we don't have jobs to go to. Who are we? Who are we? Yep.
0: All right. So, um, in, in that, on that note, we'll segue to here, Katrina. (laughs) How how will it happen? How do you think it's going to happen? If it were to happen?
2: I personally think there's, there's a couple options. Um, you know, we were overdue for a pandemic, mm-hmm. and eventually, I think, especially because this is me getting on a soapbox. I don't want to be. I'm going to be controversial, but especially since there's this huge divide in our country, and not just our country, in other parts of the world, where that so many people are becoming so anti-science, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so many people are anti-vaccine, that we could easily there's going to be there's a lot of people like within the CDC community saying this wasn't it, this wasn't the big one. Yeah, COVID wasn't the one that's going to get us, but that one, you know, I, I, so I do think that seems very likely to me that there will be one that kind of like in station 11 wipes out like a huge percentage of the human Mm -hmm. population. It won't kill all of us, but enough of us that things fall apart yeah like governments fall that countries blur you know stuff like that but i these days you know nucle- especially the past four years nuclear war was looking a lot more um promising again after being off the table yes. for a while it was back and then the climate disasters
1: yeah i think um, climate i i think climate is how we're gonna go yeah if right. i had to, if i had to choose i think that it's coming faster than people realize and I they're not you. taking it seriously enough
0: well, and all, all, I mean the same thing with the pandemic and with climate. Mm-hmm. All it has to do is be politicized. Um, in a split second, it's controversial, and half the country believes it, and half the country doesn't. So then, nothing gets done.
1: Well, and I also think that climate and kind of pandemic disease are so intertwined because yes, when climate are. goes, pandemics rise. You know when yep. when climate is left unchecked. So
0: yeah, there's a great movie about that. Uh, I think it's called The Last Winter. And it's about this research team in, uh, I don't know, somewhere on the permafrost. I don't remember where, but the permafrost is melting and it's releasing viruses and it's releasing things that we have no idea. We don't even know what's under there because it's been frozen for millennia.
1: Yeah,
2: and it killed these creatures and it's. We're going to be released and kill us yes <laughs> you know? yes like it you know there's stuff they found in a mastodon or something mm-hmm, and yes. like, oh, this is like i
0: think know, that it's happened it's... in fortitude where okay. the thing they found in the, the where this, they found something in a in a remnant of a mastodon or something that came out of the permafrost
1: yep yeah and not to get on my soapbox but <laughs> uh if you hated the past year and a half you better start writing your legislators now because Germs yeah. love nothing more than heat and humidity. Yeah. They yep. love nothing no. more than that. Yeah.
0: I, I think I agree with you that I, I think it's going to be, I think probably something pandemic like, mm-hmm. um, I just got this, I, I it just kind of solidified what I already kind of felt about humanity. At least maybe all humanity, maybe Americans. I, I don't know. I'm an American, but, um, the selfish nature. Yeah. Yes. And of not wanting to, uh, make a sacrifice for the greater good, because that is an affront to your very liberty, which is not true, I I don't feel like that's true. Right. But so I think, you know, if if there's, COVID killed almost 600,000 people in a year and a half, oh, but that's nothing. If it's anything even a little more deadly, we are fucked if people don't get on board.
1: Yeah, it was nothing for the person who was lucky enough to say it was nothing for.
0: Exactly,
1: you're exactly right.
0: right. We lost, at UD,
2: we lost a student, an 18-year-old, previously perfectly healthy student got yeah. COVID and died. Mm. So when people say, oh, that's nothing. I mean, yes, it's I not know, nothing I to that person's parents. Yep. Parents and, mm-hmm. you know, grandparents and, yeah.
0: All they see um, is numbers and flapping gums on, yep. um, you know, talking heads. Yes. And it dehumanizes yep. all of it. Yes. Um but here's what I want. I mean, we're getting pretty deep here, but <laughs> what I want to happen is something that gives, gives me time before it happens. Like, uh, like the, yeah, like an extinction level meteor is coming, you know, no. and it's it's coming in like a week or two and it's going to destroy the whole you entire
1: You want to
0: know you're going to die. <laughs> I do not. I want to She's be blissfully unaware. <laughs> I want to know what pure, yeah, I'm definitely going to smoke. I'm going to
1: smoke all the cigs. Oh, my gosh.
0: And if it's zombies, I'm going to get out of 22 and I'm going to smoke and shoot zombies from the roof of my house. <laughs> you would have house. so
1: much fun in a zombie apocalypse. Because
0: here's the thing. If we're talking about what we want, yeah. I would love,
2: and Dimmick and I agree on this. When COVID first started, I'm like, I really wanted zombies. Like, <laughs> like if yeah. that actually happened, we're, we feel so prepared like i if if they're like they are in the stories and of yeah. course we would zombies that were totally different and we, we we would not be prepared but we like to think we are but like that i could handle
0: if their walkers were fine <laughs> if their runners were fucked
2: yeah I, but
0: you're a master gardener but yeah i mean yes. if you don't have weapons to defend the garden it doesn't matter anyway so you
2: got to figure defend out my garden against those bunnies remember don't
1: so don't you dare <laughs>
2: i won't lie i
1: also think like a robot uprising would be kind of cool oh yeah that would be kind of cool
2: a lot of my students because they have to write a final project about any aspect of this and a lot of them choose to write about what they think will happen what what, what will cause our demise mm-hmm. and more and more of them are really interested in this idea of the rise of ai mm-hmm. um, yeah and how it, it's they're, they're getting too much power and i don't know that much about it so i always find those terri- kind of terrifying but fascinating
1: like, well right. i mean my alexa my google i is it alexa is it siri i don't know whoever is listening to me 24 7 because it's plugged in uh-huh they know everything about me and they know my weaknesses for yeah. sure of course they do oh,
0: of no. course they do okay so- that? go ahead
2: Stevie King, maximum overdrive right i love that movie where the machines take over yeah. yes
0: <laughs> the truth yes because they pass through the uh the tail of a comet and it makes all the machinery turn against humanity
1: we she made you i don't care what stephen king says that is a piece of that is a masterpiece it is a masterpiece he hates it but it is a That's masterpiece great. we
2: watched that movie together we saw that together mm-hmm. yes with That's the right. acdc
0: soundtrack come yes. on perfect yeah everything about yeah, yeah. it was perfect no okay but so
2: pandemic. say that again I said I interrupted you. What were no, you no, no.
0: I was just going to say, look, kids, I don't really want to know that I'm going to die. Here's what I want. I want to experience absolute freedom. Okay. I get that. Yes. And it, th- and I feel like that's the only way
1: that is going to happen.
0: Where yeah. I what can... if
1: we make our own island? <laughs> well, <sighs> and then no one has to die in the end. <laughs>
0: Maybe I do want the carnage. Never mind. (laughs) See,
1: I knew it. I knew it. I knew it.
0: (laughs) No. Okay. Well then Katrina, uh, given how you think it might happen or how you want it to happen, your your fantasy apocalypse, how do you think you'd do?
2: Oh, that's such a hard question. I'd like to think I would do okay. If I'm left alone, relatively freely with my garden, I could feed people. But if it comes to the violence, yeah. like yeah. like having to kill people to protect my property or my, my garden or my people, I don't know. I don't know. I, and I and that's the kind of thing where I'm like, you watch those movies and you're like, I think I could do that to protect the people I love. Yeah. But you don't know. Like, yeah. could I stab somebody? Could I shoot somebody? I don't know. A living person. Yeah. I don't know.
0: You and I have conversations, too, about... Uh, the the merits of having a tribe versus being stealthy yeah. on your own or with just one or two people. Right. And you see, I, I'm right, you see the merits in a tribe of people. Yeah, there's pros and cons because
2: they're, of course, different people bring different skills to a tribe, to a community, safety in numbers. Mm-hmm. You only have to be able to outrun some of them.
0: <laughs> True. <laughs> That's a really good but, point.
2: But then there, there's also the liability of having to protect everybody yeah. and what you know, the slow ones? What do we do? Do we outrun them or do we stay back and try to save that? You know, there's that they, the more people you have, the bigger liability.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know I would die pretty quickly. Uh, <laughs> but any, you're going to be in the forest. It, but that's the thing. I, there are two things I know I'm good at. It's running away and hiding. There you go. And okay. I know I could do that, but I also know that eventually someone would find me.
2: Maybe not. Maybe we would find you. Maybe it would be us. Be, yes,
1: We'd maybe you guys would find me. me and that would be great. Except <laughs> and would find me and be like, "Jesus Christ, where were you?" Where were? Come on.
0: Put on some pants.
1: Here, have a shirt. You're not sitting on my hum- yeah,
0: on my seat with a naked ass. Put these on. <laughs> what?
2: I had a friend Well, you talked about this once, um, a friend I used to work with who said he didn't want to survive in a world without the internet.
0: (laughs) Oh man. I think that, I think that's probably true with a lot of younger people who never had life without it. Yeah. And I think that's why a lot of the horror movies are about like, uh, uh, technology failing or, you know, things like that, that that's, that's the new fear. Yep. I would agree. I would totally agree so what
2: so let's say that happens it's like the walking dead we got walkers we can kind of survive like what would you and so it's like long term we're gonna survive it mm-hmm. but every day is a is a struggle for food Melter, yeah. or to oh, defend God. our place or whatever what would you miss the most like would it be the internet or are there other things you think you would really miss a hot
0: I shower
1: yes that's what hot, I would hot, I a miss. Shower, shower and
0: ice i would mm-hmm. miss ice which you could oh. make in the winter technically i suppose i am
1: in the winter yeah you could oh, plumbing i don't like to yeah. i don't like you're to gonna get, poop in a bucket now. I, I would have to poop in a bucket i <laughs> probably that would probably you be ha- you are, will have been pooping in the woods for months by the time we get to i this. would have a very nice selection of different leaves okay yeah toilet paper, <laughs> oh, toilet yeah. paper. uh like feminine products
0: yes man i'm just gonna let that okay. shit fly fuck it is, <laughs> they're zombies they're bigger problems yeah <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, but when they might smell it,
0: oh, there is a movie about Christ. that. It stains the sands red. And <gasps> this girl is being chased through the desert by one solitary zombie. And she's trying to get away from it. And it just keeps coming after her. Oh, my God. And she does a couple times throw tampons out to distract <laughs> it. What a good so idea. So she can get away. It stains the sands red. Brilliant. That is a good movie. Brilliant. Holy moly! What a
2: great premise. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah.
0: Brilliant. Uh, I, would,
2: yeah, I would really miss having just water available. You think about how, yeah. if you've ever had your water shut off, you think about how much you use it and mm-hmm. you don't even think about it until it's not there. Like the yeah. million yeah. times you like rinse a finger off from, you know, the cat food or whatever. Um
1: yeah, like our pets. How would we keep oh, our pets? Oh, yeah. I tell you what, I will throw myself on top of them and say, take me. Yeah, I think I would do that, I too. Know.
2: I know. I would have them in little backpacks. I would do yes. everything in my power. Well, yeah. Yes.
0: And then would come the harsh reality of people in my life um, when they find out that I would choose them, my kitties, <laughs> over them. 100, 100%. 100
2: There's 100%. a t-shirt that we all need. I've seen it when it says, I would... <laughs> I would push you in front of a zombie to save my cat. Yeah. Or something. I mean, 100%. that is 100%
0: true. 100%. Well, here is a, here is a macabre thing um, that I would miss. And um, I would miss not having to wear metal underpants because with law and order, we live in a rape culture. Uh, yeah. So can you imagine when there is zero threat of yeah. consequences, what the hell's going to go down? Yeah, Terrible. Yeah. Yeah. I know that that brought down the whole jovialness no, of the conversation. It's However, it's, it's true.
2: And we talk about that in classes, in like it's that reality. I mean some some I love seeing the young women get really angry about it, about yeah. how like they're they will be, you know, just recognizing that because of human nature, they will be at a permanent disadvantage. Yeah. Yeah. When consequence is gone.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yep.
2: That it will be yeah. And I I hate that, but that, that is our reality. Ugh. That that's so to bright, to lighten the mood, I would also miss. <laughs> I would also miss ice cream and coffee. I would coffee. Oh yeah, my god, that
0: is your jam, man! Yeah.
2: I would also miss just sleeping, being able to. Oh, you would yeah. never again have the ability to just sleep and linger and sleep in and
0: relax. Know. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Sometimes when I watch The Walking Dead, I just I fantasize about. Inviting them all over and washing all their clothes and giving them a good <laughs> hot meal and baths, you know, like there. Now yeah. be on your way. Just well, maybe a you rest- can
0: tape Glenn's eye back in then. Probably too too soon. Stop it. Too, too, soon. It.
1: too <laughs> soon. Tape it. we <laughs> just some scotch tape.
0: No, I totally get that though. You look at them and they're so filthy and I know. Um, they're so- probably past smell though. They probably went from yeah. smell to just. They smell like the earth now. Everybody um, smells that way. So, yeah. yeah. So, and then on top of all the dead, I mean, those hordes of dead that are wandering around, that that shit oh. would waft.
2: That would waft big time. So, yeah. let
0: me ask you this Did you prepare a what the hell? I did not. Oh, what oh, the hell? That's yours. That's yours. What the hell? i, the hell? I All right. Well, guest. we better do them fast because somebody didn't charge her computer. I did.
1: It just went. she's okay. decided to shut the bed today. Okay. Sweet. Uh, Did you know, first of all, what the hell? (laughs) What the hell? Did you know you could be charged with a felony if you don't return your video rental? What? This happened very recently. They still have video rentals? No, no, listen to this. (laughs) Karen McBride, she's a woman out of of Texas. Mm -hmm. She recently found out she has been charged with a felony for not returning a rented copy of, get this, Sabrina the Teenage Witch back in 1999. Oh, man. She learned about the charge because she was trying to change her name after getting married. And she went to do all the paperwork and they said, um, you have something. You probably want to check it out. Call this number. Turns out, back in March of 2000, she had been charged with felony embezzlement of rented property. <laughs> that seems a little much. Uh, right. And... When she was interviewed by the local news, she said, I don't even think I rented that movie. I think my roommate rented that movie on my account for his children at the time. <laughs> I have never seen that movie in my own life. So after it made the local news, the district at- attorney out of the county that she was being charged in dropped the charges, but get this said she will need to get her record expunged to clear it. Wow. Oh, what? Wow. Oh, what? wow
0: um i once had a okay it was you know it was a confusing time it was a movie called bad girls dormitory
2: dang
0: and i had i owed like 85 dollars in late fees no felony though
1: thank god no felony as you as you know of god my god you're right am i on a (laughs) no-fly list
0: for bad girls dormitory
1: shit okay
0: so here's my (laughs) what the hell before this computer actually does die um did anybody here know <laughs> that on December 18th 2018 a meteor exploded over the <laughs> earth with the force of 10 atomic bombs no and everybody freaking missed it um you'd think that you know if you 10 atomic bombs the force of it you'd think we would have noticed um but we did not uh it wasn't discovered by NASA until after it happened. It went undetected because it happened over the Bering sea. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I chose that one no. just simply because I miss that we're on the verge of an apocalypse every minute. If you know, these, these deals are getting past NASA. Yeah. 100. I don't think they're going to tell us anyway, if it's coming, if it's coming, especially from space, they're not going to tell us. Yeah. It's oh. happening. So it's I'm not okay. going to get my, my week of freedom. I'm going to be pissed. I know. I know. Cause all of a sudden the sky's on fire. Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> Katrina Kittle. Thank you for joining us. As always. We love having you here. One of uh, the premier members of our horror salon club. I guess we're a club, right?
2: You're a club and I will come on anytime. I
0: love this podcast excellent uh yeah we'll we'll definitely have you back i love your perspective on things so um rock and roll that's that so
1: okay what do we do next well thank you horror nerds that's the thing (laughs) thank you guys thank you horror nerds for hanging out with us tonight the uh, Pazoozas were particularly delicious. so thank you. I mean, you. just empty. Thank you, Katrina, for <laughs> suggesting those. Hey. They were delicious. <laughs> um, horror nerds, if you want to get in touch with us and share with us your favorite apocalyptic stories. And tell us if you're going to be a warlord or you're going to play nice with civilization. Yeah. We want to know. We super want to know. You can get in touch with us at info at com. You can also follow along with us on Instagram at The Horror Salon. We've got fun stuff going up there every day. And then you can also check us out on our website, thehorrorsalon.com. We put all our show notes up on there after these episodes so that you can dive down your own rabbit holes with all of the resources from our research. Um, so we highly encourage you to check us out there. And then lastly, but certainly not least, If you are listening to us and you enjoy yourself, we would so appreciate you to subscribe to us wherever you are listening. And then if you wouldn't mind leaving us a like or a comment uh, or a review, uh, all of that is super helpful for us in planning future episodes for you that you actually want and helpful for us to get in front of more horror nerds and grow this little community. So we would so appreciate you there. All of that technology
0: technology technology
1: tech 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 it will murder us it will eventually eventually
0: but thank you guys for letting for listening to us and letting us just be nerds yeah we just talk shit for an hour and a half and you seem to really like it so thank you thank you (laughs) (laughs) all right katrina any final words on the apocalypse
2: just prepare prepare and savor all those things that you know you'd miss if they were gone
0: damn that was really good advice. That was sage, <laughs> that was sage advice. <laughs> Savor that coffee. Eat the ice cream. Oh, shit. Now I got to blow the candle. You know, you I, almost, I caught on fire last you week. You did.
1: You did, actually. All right, here we go. <sighs> wow.
0: The candle is out.
1: The Pazoo's has been emptied for a very long time. I mean, we chugged that shit. Yeah, we did. It was very good.
0: Thank you for tuning in <laughs> to
1: the horror salon <laughs> that was really good <laughs> i am your co-host endemic and i'm your co-host the witch we'll catch you next time at the horror salon where we curate the strange and unusual
0: until dawn do us part
1: monsters it's the witch and andemic
0: music for this episode is rage by the 126ers check out our website
1: for show notes and links to some cool extras
0: later nerds